There's always a FinReg Angle, the podcast providing you with the latest news and commentary on financial regulation. Brought to you by Global Custodian. Hello and welcome to Season 3 of There's Always a FinReg Angle. I'm John Watkins, the editor of Global Custodian, and I'm joined virtually, as always, by a pair of FinReg experts, Sean Tuffy and Virginia O'Shea. Welcome back. Nice to be here. Yep, great to be here. Just figuring out how to unmute on this uh, this new app of ours, but glad to be back. Brilliant. Yeah, we really are dusting off the cobwebs here, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> it's been too long, you know. I guess when a, I think when a show goes big, you know, everyone goes off and does their own things. A bit like when the Friends cast all tried to do movies and avoid it. That's where we're at. So, what's everyone been up to? Um, Sean, you know, this never seems to get a great answer, but how's Ireland? I, you know, for the first time in like two years, things are looking up. Um, so I think the, uh, we've, we've had like everybody, you know, Omicron wave. Um, but I think things, things seem to be loosening up and there's a, there's a genuine sense of optimism at the moment, which honestly doesn't suit the Irish all that well, but it's good to see. Um, plus we all just got a new bank holiday in Ireland this year. So everyone's feeling really good. Oh, fantastic. I think we're going to get one of, because of some kind of, uh, queen birthday or something like that this summer too. So, uh, Chance to celebrate. Um, and you got flying again, Sean, I see. Back in the air. Yeah, I was able to uh, to get out just under the wire to get back to the States for Christmas, which would, I say it was good to be uh, good to be traveling, um, though I'd kind of forgotten how terrible airports are as an experience. But still, <laughs> it was good to be out and about and getting off uh, the island of Ireland for a change it was nice. Yeah, the novelty just wears off so quick about flying again, doesn't it? Yeah, we've all missed yeah. it. Yeah. That's exactly what you got fed up with in the first place. Virginie, how are you? How was your Christmas? How's the cat? He's all right. He's asleep by my feet for, for now. I imagine he's going to be running around my feet in a second once he wakes up and realises I'm doing something that is being recorded. Um, but it's funny, I, I haven't been on a plane since, I think, early 2020. I think that was the last trip I did. I just, I, I've completely forgotten the experience of flying. <laughs> I don't know what it'll be like going, going through all this sort of rigmarole of... Uh, you know, the security checks and all that nonsense. And I had to get a new passport as well. So I've got the new Brexit passport, uh, which is a bit sad. So I'm going to have to get my Esther updated if I have to go to the US this year. But fingers crossed everything's getting back to normal. Um, I hope to be over soon. I will say flying is exactly like you remember it, but more annoying because of COVID protocols. Yeah. That's the that's that's my feedback on it so far. I could imagine. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to doing a long haul one with the mask on my face. Um, that doesn't sound much fun. No. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And now you've got... Yeah, I already get confused with the different Esther cues and am I a US citizen when I'm going into New York? So now, now I've got to remember all the different uh, vaccine requirements and then testing requirements as well, you know. It's, just turn around when you get to the gate. It uh, doesn't feel worth it. But uh, yeah, well, look, let's hope that everything is, is getting better this year. and We can do a lot more more traveling. Uh, maybe we can do our Cybos preview actually on the ground there. That'd be amazing this year, wouldn't it? It'll be Amsterdam as well, which is a nice city. I, I've been to a couple of them in Amsterdam and they're usually fun. Oh, great. So we don't even need to fly. We can just get the get the uh, Euros, Eurostar. Exactly. Perfect. Door to door service. Good. Well, look, let's um, let, let's get into uh, our features for today. And uh, we've got a lot to cover, but I think I want to kick off because it's a new season and uh, the, the new year uh, by discussing some New Year's regulations. Now, that looked a lot better written down than it sounded. But, you know, whether it's something you're hoping to do or see in the FinReg world this year, 
um, that you'll try your best to keep to. Uh, I want to go around the around the horn and see what everyone's got. You know, for me, I'm going to commit to not mentioning the Bitcoin ETF anymore. Not until actually something happens. That's it. I'm done. I'm not even going to give it any more airtime right now. So moving on. Virginie, New Year's resolutions from Good you. God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try and avoid doing resolutions at the start of a year because you, that, invariably they last for about two weeks and then you just you, you kind of fall off the wagon, as it were. But if if I was going to say anything, it would probably be more memes, better memes if I can get better memes um, and less jargon. I, I'm going to sort of eviscerate all of the jargon out of everything that I write because uh, okay. it some, sometimes creeps in. I try not to let it, but it sometimes does. We'll, we'll be testing that today then on the show. You can, uh, you can extend to uh, your audio recording. <laughs> um, Sean, what, what, do you want, what, what regulation do you want to give up or what do you want to achieve this year? What do you want to... Yeah, uh, so I guess my New Year's regulation, uh, regulation, whatever, uh, is I'm honestly going to try my hardest not to talk about crypto regulation in general until regulators actually do something. Like that's my, that's similar to your Bitcoin ETF. Like I just, I can't, talk about the wild world of crypto and, and <laughs> NFTs anymore um, because it's just such a circular and dumb art discussion that I'm just going to wait wait for the regulators to actually make a move. Excellent. Well, you didn't say the metaverse in that, so with it, oh, let's God. get on to that. Sorry. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> always a fun talking point. But, you know, so much kind of rolled over from the end of last year and into this year. But I, I want to start our kind of main talking points today with something that, Look, by the time we actually release this podcast, we could be days away from this. And it's it's CSDR, which is arriving February 1st. And Sean, forget the buy-ins. There's actual rules coming in, isn't there? But do you think people have forgotten about this? And why is it why is it not being talked about enough? So I think I think the people in the trenches certainly have not forgotten about it. Um, but I think sort of to the extent the buy-ins was in sort of the more popular mainstream discussion, it's certainly been forgotten. But I think everyone in the trenches is aware that the the sort of cash penalties and whatnot is coming in in a couple of weeks. Um, so I think that's been sort of, there've been some dry runs in the industry over the last few months. And I think people are as prepared as they can be uh, in the, for the buildup. But it definitely, at an industry level, the conversation completely went went quiet once the sort of, once the buy-ins got kicked to the tall grass. And I think that's essentially, it went from being sort of a big existential policy an industry discussion to something for the implementation guys to handle. So I think that's probably why it has sort of fallen off the radar a little bit. Ginny, what do you what do you think? What are you seeing out there? People, what's the preparation levels? Any kind of uh, any panic setting in as we're days away? I'm actually doing a lot of research on it at the moment. So I've been talking to people quite actively um, over the last. Oh yeah, it's just I guess just before Christmas and now. Um, and it's interesting. <laughs> um, the, the, I, I'd say, okay, custodians and asset services maybe paid a lot of attention to it. Um, I would say the general lack of preparedness on the, on the part of the buy side and the smaller brokerage firms is quite remarkable. And when you start digging into, have you, have you looked at, you know, all this kind of stuff? Do, do you realise that this, you know, this is coming in? Um, they, they sort of go, well, that's not really our problem, is it? Because it's not going to impact us. And then you talk to them about how it's going to push up the cost of, you know, trading <laughs> and impact their front offices. And they go, oh, OK, well, maybe we should look at it. And then yeah. I, I, I guess that that means they go over and, and ask a few regulatory experts, at, you know, at their various like like Sean, um, to say, you know, what, what, what should we do? 
or they go and speak to a consultant who then tells them that they've sort of got a six month project ahead of them at the, at the least. And then they start panicking. <laughs> so I'd say uh, it's not it's not looking great. So I imagine it'll be interesting to see, given we've got such a high level of fines, uh, not fines, high level of fails, I should say, um, within the equities realm at the moment at the European level. What does that mean when when the penalties come in? Like who's going to end up paying for it? Like there's going to be a lot of people very unhappy um, and not realising how much it's going to cost them, I think. But who's who's actually going to be sitting calculating all these and how, how hard are the, the regulators going to go in the, in the first six months of this, do you think? Well, just about an hour ago, Esma um, tweeted out that it's, um, it's, it's publishing um, some of the data that you need on the bond side of things for the calculations for CSDR um, penalties. So I think they're taking it relatively seriously. <laughs> Yeah. I, I know. I know that they've asked for you know asked for leniency at the national competent authority level for the you know the lack of buy-in stuff coming in because it's not officially delayed, right? It still hasn't been put into into you know print as such on that front. Um, it's just sort of a, a sort of how would they describe it? No, almost like a no action letter with that. Um, yeah. But with with the the penalties, I I really do think they want to see change because they're they're very worried about the high level of fails um, because they haven't gone down. Um, they've gone down a bit since the, the start of the pandemic, but they haven't gone down enough. I'm sure. Short degrees. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that. I mean, it's very easy, um, especially with the, when the mandatory buy-in um, element was in play, to sort of be critical of the CSDR and the settlement discipline regime. But I mean, I think there is a general view that settlement could be better um, in Europe. So I think, you know, I think there is like a, the, the push behind it is sort of comes from a good place. So I think there is definitely a push to make sure this does bring the amount of settlement fails down. Yeah, which I'm sure it has to, right? There's, there's now incentive to do it. I mean, Virginia, you said that it hasn't, you know, levels haven't gone down. Is that, or have only gone down slightly? Is that in comparison to, to March 2020? Are we talking at a pre-pandemic levels? I'm sure you've tracked it all out. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to dig into the numbers. And ESMA did change their calculation methodology halfway through. So that's not, I mean, I, I've been trying to interrogate them on that and they haven't revealed to me as to how they changed the methodology. So um, the the actual fails rates that they estimated at the start of the pandemic were, were lower than they actually were. So they went up again uh, in the, because I've been looking at TRV um, data that they've been putting out every quarter. Um and, and it's sort of, I think at the moment, it's around about 10%, uh, which is incredibly high compared to normal. Um, normally, I think they're around about 3 3 to 4%, which is still high. It's higher than it should be for a relatively, you know, <laughs> um, easily traded, easily cleared and settled asset class such as equities. So um, it's, it's, it's somewhat concerning. And, and I think there are a lot of different reasons for it. But you do know that there's, there's sort of a long tail. Everyone's always talked about this long tail of smaller firms that are doing things manually. Um, and they really are out there. So they're, they're the ones that are going to get caught out by it. So um, and, and who pays the bill? I mean, I guess brokers up until this point have, have uh, faced it. And, and they've had to pay for a lot of the, the matching problems and things like that. Uh, and so sort of custodians to some degree in terms of data quality cleanup and things like that. But uh, we're going to have to to see um, those firms directly targeted by regulators to, to actually make them change their ways, because otherwise they won't. Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, like I say, we are moving on from the buy-ins now. But, but Sean, this was a pretty good example of 
you know, industry pressure, whether it's associations or individuals working here and, and getting getting something done. I mean, who knows if this will be altered or, or delayed in, in the long term, but they certainly got their their way of not having this come in on, on February 1st, which would have been would have been crazy, right? Yeah, I think it is a good example of sort of cross-industry um, lobbying. Now, I think if we're being completely honest, like the experience of uh, the COVID volatility in early 2020 definitely gave people sort of like a real world empirical example to show rather than sort of theoretical um, issues at the bind my rise. But I think it was generally successful. And I think like, I think that, you know, reassessing the buying was, was the right choice. So it's good to see that we got there. Um, and so, yeah, it definitely was a, a, a good work by the, all the various industry associations and bodies. Yeah, excellent. Well, let's let's move, let's go over the pond, shall we, uh, and talk about a, a big development that's happening in the uh, securities finance world. Now, the SEC is looking at introducing its own SFTR type rules through new reporting requirements, and people, you know, most specifically hedge funds, certainly aren't happy about it. Now, there's quite a lot to unravel here. Uh, I'm assuming you've both looked through the entire regulation, but uh, why, why don't we start with just how impactful this regulation is and, and then maybe also why there was only 30 days for market participants to actually have their say on it over, over, you know, over Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, and New Year. Um, you know, who, who wants to take a first go at uh, unraveling a bit of this? So I'll go first and then sort of defer, but I think the, I mean, obviously the 30 day um, common period raised some eyebrows and that's been sort of sort of a part of a bigger trend uh, with the SEC recently that actually got called out um, by Senate Republicans in terms of having these short comment periods, though it should be, I mean, in total fairness, it was a, it was also a habit of the previous uh, SEC administration to have these short lead consultations, which I think is sort of a challenge for the industry to have to sort of digest and deal with these potentially far-reaching um proposals. I think when you look at the specific proposals, I mean, obviously there are a lot of challenges, some of it's similar to SFTR. Um, so it's not totally surprising. I think probably the issue that pops off the page when you look at the proposals is the the timing of the reporting. Um, yeah. Sort of 15 minutes after the, the trades is probably the most potentially impactful just in terms of sort of workflows and getting the information out the door in time. So I think that's probably the part that's garnered the most attention. Um, so it'll be, it will be interesting to see where this goes. On one hand, it's in a sort of a very a trend of the SEC to some extent following the lead of European regulations. Um, and it also dovetails with Gensler's uh, sort of openly stated um, position that he wants more transparency in the market. So I don't think it's an issue that's going to sort of just go away. Yeah, very the whole transparency thing very much following on from his uh, CFTC tenure. And it's it's interesting. The SEC gave some estimates about how much they think it's going to cost, um, and they're vastly under, underestimating. You know how much people are going to be paying the lending lenders and lending agents agencies. Um, so so there's that's been pushed pushed back on that as well. So I mean, the funny thing is with securities financing, securities lending, it is, it's always been, one of my ex-colleagues used to call it knuckle-draggers in that industry <laughs> because there's a lot of Luddites and the fact that it's, it's not necessarily the most automated and the systems you get in that space 
are pretty old school, um, sadly. So, I mean, when, when we look at SFTR reporting here, it was a bit of a hodgepodge approach. Uh, I suppose you, you, people are going to quote me on that now, but it really was <laughs> because you had to pull across different systems that were providing. You know, some of them, the systems are provided by one vendor, but they're all completely different technology stacks and things like that. And some of them are pretty a- ancient. Um, and you've seen different platforms come in and out of the space as well. So, you know, some vendors that were very active actually just disappeared completely within securities lending. So um, I'd say, and, and you know, the, the people that were left high and dry um, having those systems in place have had to maintain them as, them as themselves. So it's not been the sort of most IT savvy or um, forward-looking community on that front. So, so actually getting information out of this sort of um, Frankenstein of systems is not very easy. So I can see why people are nervous on that front. And, and those, those underestimates in terms of how much it will cost um, are quite significant, if you ask me. Yeah. And, and, and uh, in addition to that, I mean, this obviously GameStop just keeps coming up again and again. Maybe it's a bit of a headline grabber um, as leading to this. I'm, I'm not sure if it's the only <laughs> or even the leading catalyst. But you know, given this kind of new era we're in with the, the whole Reddit threads and yeah, the worry seems to be among hedge funds that what happened there could happen again if, if they're forced to disclose their short position. So do you think that's a, a pretty valid worry? Uh, I mean, I, yes and no. I mean, I don't think that's <laughs> what the intent of the regulators is, right? I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it seems a bit of a stretch to me to say that that's, that's the worry here. I think it's, it's more the, the restrictions that might be placed on, you know, sort of lending these securities out endlessly. I mean, how many times can you lend them out is the question, right? In terms of rehypothecation, it does seem slightly crazy. Um, that's more of a concern from the regulatory perspective as to, to sort of the hops that are going on there, um, rather than anything to do with, with uh, meme stocks um, or similar shenanigans to meme stocks. I don't know if Sean agrees there, but... Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think, I mean, the regulators, at least publicly, are just as worried about sort of the volatility by this sort of rise of retail investors as everybody else. So they're certainly not looking to encourage that. I mean, I think this is, to your point, really about sort of market transparency. I mean, I think like that's like one of sort of the, the key tenets of Gensler had, John, as he said, the CFTC, and he's bringing it to the SEC. So I think it's really about that and they probably share concerns about fueling volatility through the retail channels. There's certainly a lot of content covering this on GC at the moment. So if you want to do some further reading, <laughs> uh, Sifma's reaction, I think, uh, was one of our latest pieces to this. And then just we, we did an in-depth kind of deep dive on all the rules, including that crazy 15-minute uh, window, Sean, that you yeah. mentioned as well, which uh, you had to read it twice to make sure it was actually uh, actually true. But uh yeah, look, and again, a lot of stuff going on. I think the uh, yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about today is, and this again, leading on from a, an article or a feature we did over Christmas about yeah the reliance and on, on cloud service providers at the moment. Um, given you know you got three major ones, but I think it was the UK that's come out with with some um, scrutiny of cloud service providers. Uh, Virginia, I think this is a, a topic close to your heart. You know, what do, you, do you think there's kind of valid concerns and it, it is absolutely right to look into this with, with the reliance on, on these uh, handful of providers? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a valid concern. I mean, if you think about operational resilience topics, and it's been such a common theme, it's not just the UK. I think the UK is actually really late to the party here because we've had such a lot of murmurings from ESMA. We've had consultation papers on that side. We've had the SEC have even talks about it, in fact, um, during some of their 
um, public meetings about concentration risk in this this area because because if you think about it, um, it it's all it's sometimes it's obvious how concentrated you are on one provider and sometimes it's not because you may be using a you know a fintech vendor uh, within your back office and you'd be using their a SaaS version of their platform and they're hosted on the same platform that all your other um, providers are using. So you, you get that concentration risk from not just the, the direct third parties that you might be using, but also, you know, the fourth and fifth parties that you have to look at. So it is a, it's a very valid concern from the regulatory perspective. And, and we have seen outages. So um, at the end of last year, I think we saw about three outages. Um, AWS, I think, had, had a significant one that took down some of the um, large fintech vendors, not, not directly in, in capital markets, but actually they were mainly in the retail space. Um, but because they had an outage at their data center, which I, I, from, from what they've been saying and is not directly to, related to sort of cyber criminals hacking anything, um, although it could be in future, um, it's, it's normally something quite banal or, or, you know, some upgrades gone wrong or, you know, certain things, someone co- spilling coffee on something. I mean, it's, these, are, these are sort of small things, but they have a big impact when you've got so many different providers using the same platforms. And, and there really is a competition um, a lack of competition in that space. Um, you, when you think about the two, the, the big two, really, um, Google's still quite far behind. Uh, and you have most of the banks have only got one cloud provider. You have, you have a few exceptions. Um, and JP Morgan is probably the one that has, I, I wrote about this in my recent trends piece, actually. JP Morgan's the only one that's been hedging its bets really uh, effectively thus far <laughs> out of the large banks. But everyone else really has kind of declared their intentions to partner up with uh, it's sort of like a matchmaking um, event when they've declared that they're going to marry uh, one of the big providers over the next five years. So it, it's sort of uh, a big warning sign when you've got cyber security, you know, cyber criminals doing big game hunting out there. Yeah, yeah, and Sean, yeah, obviously we don't want to dig into a city view on this, but have you got a kind of view on in the regulation in this in this trend as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I'll leave people better qualified than me to talk about the, the city worldview. But I think from a regulatory perspective, absolutely echo that this is something that is of concern. And, you know, it's been a concern for a while. It's not a, like a, a new concern. You have the the DORA Digital Op- Operational Resilience Act um, out there that the EU has been kicking around that sort of addresses this from a certain angle. So I think this is absolutely going to remain concentration risk and out- outsourcing um, be it digital, be it to firms, is something regulators are increasingly worried about and concentration risk. So it is definitely something that we should expect them to continue to look at. And I think the question will be from, you know, from a purely practical standpoint, you know, you have the UK has come out with their sort of consultation. They're looking at this. The EU is looking at this, you know, sort of navigating a web of sort of regulatory attempts to tackle this will be challenging for firms as well, because it's also sort of a concern, it's a concern down to the member state level as well. So, you know, it's a very, in Europe at least, so it's a very sort of multifaceted regulatory concern, um, which often leads to a multifaceted regulatory response, which is challenging for, for the industry to, to, to navigate. And regulators themselves are going to have to get into those tech details, because understanding that you, you may be using um, one of these cloud providers, but you're also building your technology on their tools. So it's not as simple as switching from one provider to another because you're building on their proprietary technology. So, you know, you can't just sort of unplug from one and plug into another that easily. They're not interoperable, right? Um, yeah. That's another thing to bear in mind. 
Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, this echoes. I don't know if you guys remember the the dear CEO letter from the F- FCA a few years mm-hmm. ago um, about. So this was about outsourcing to service providers, you know, in a more traditional sense, um, which they were very concerned about, and they realized that it's just going to be have to be something they're always going to be very concerned about because there aren't a lot of practical solutions to the challenge. So I think that's really the problem: is how you know what kind of regulatory framework can you draw up that acknowledges like there are probably limited things in the toolkit um, that can be used to really sort of fully insulate uh, the industry or firms from this risk. The funny thing about that is that letter was sent out about nine years ago and then it all went quiet for ages. So it's, it's yeah. interesting it's coming up again. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it like it kind of comes in waves, right? It's sort of, you mm-hmm. know, they get regulars get really worried about it. The industry quite, I mean, honestly, when you think about the dear CEO letter, the, the industry agreed essentially that this could be a real challenge, that mm-hmm. it's just that there aren't easy solutions. Um, and it gets probably even trickier when you move into cloud and digital. Um, because sort of to your point, that about the sort of second order connectivity where, you know, a buy side firm and a sell side firm might be using the same cloud outsourcing, which is, you know, sort of a chain of resilience that needs to be considered. It, it can look scary. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, to keep with another of our New Year's resolutions, we're going to try and keep this podcast at under 30 minutes. Um, the, the Kaiser producer is, is nudging me about this. But uh, <laughs> any, any other kind of, you know, is there anything else that, that stood out for you recently on, on the FinReg side? Maybe we just go uh, one each before we, we wrap up here. You go first, Sean. Go on. Oh, I mean, what hasn't happened? No, I mean, I think obviously it's been a busy few months since we last met. I think... The biggest sigh of relief you probably heard was the the EU walking back from sort of massive upheaval to the delegation arrangement for uh, usage in AFMD funds. That's something we'll surely talk about in, in future episodes. And the other big news, I guess, across the pond was that we finally got confirmation that Rustin Benham is going to be the new CFTC head, right? So he's the new chair. Um, that finally happens. We have finally got somebody <laughs> confirmed <laughs> and we may get some commissioners this year. So they actually have people to do the job. So it'll be a little bit busier. Hopefully we'll hear from, from more stuff around derivatives, regs. Well, we should apologise for the disproportionate amount of coverage we gave the new SEC chair versus the uh, CFTC chair. I think we spoke for you know five straight episodes about Gary Gensler, but uh, this one's <laughs> still <right>, so <laughs> something to work on. But uh, brilliant. Well, look, uh, thanks very much. It's glad to be back. We're all glad to be back for season three. Um, Sean, uh, where can we find your work? As always, you can find it at uh, Security Services Insights on the City ICG platform. Um, and keep an eye out uh, at a social media channel near you for the upcoming FinReg Outlook. Excellent. And Virginia, uh, what, are, what are you working on? What's keeping you busy? And uh, where can people access your, your work? Yep, I'm just putting out something on buy-side fintech trends, actually. So um, based on some conversations I had towards the end of last year um, about priorities and things, and lots of these topics that we've already been discussing came up. So cloud, definitely a topic. AI, a big topic. Um, so, and you can uh, see my work um, at www.fintechfirebrand.com. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Virginia O'Shea. Excellent. Well, Sean, Virginia, thanks for your thoughts today. And thank you, the audience, for listening. Until next time. You were listening to There's Always a FinReg Angle podcast from Global Custodian. Stream on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or catch up wherever you get your podcasts from.